go. Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is September 29th, 2022, 4.45 p.m. This is, again, the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and as always, I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you, man? I'm still... I'm trying to wrap my head around the topic that I just found about 10 minutes ago for this show, <laughs> but I'm doing all right. I'm just, I'm wrapping my head around it. I'm, I'm doing okay though. Everything's fine. Good man. Because I am exhausted. I am thoroughly. So just, you know what? I tell you what, I'm not even, I'm not even stressed out about the markets or anything going on there, man. I just, just so many things happened recently in my, in my personal life. And, I actually find that in times like that, that the markets are actually a release. Yeah, I get to zone yeah. out and read some like re, uh, analyst reports and earnings reports, and you know, just kind of delve into it and get lost in in, in the sea of financial news because it, it helps me relax from all the other too. stress. And we've been positioned for this downturn for a long time. And we said that we were going to test the new lows, at least. I'm a little bit more bearish than you are. But, you know, we both said that the S&P 500 would close at the lows again this year. And All right. So, hey, you, I know you're, you're, you're already leading us into that. So before we get into that, man, before we get into that, there's a couple of things I, I, I want to I say, first of all. Um, if you're listening to us, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to listen to us. I know we just get on here, two guys rambling on. Um, I know for the first three months we did this podcast, we probably had, what, five people listen to us a week, if that. And it was all family members. So thank you, guys, if you're a family member and you're still listening to us. So well over a year later, we appreciate that. Um, but if you are listening to us and you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and uh, share it and let other people know about us. Uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate all the support and love we get from everybody, um, especially when we did our, our live podcast. We didn't think anybody would show. Someone showed. Um, and we didn't think anybody would listen to on, but people listened on. And so we appreciate all that, all everything you guys do. So it means a lot to us to keep going. But if you want us to come to your college or your university or your uh, social club or your your workplace, let us know. We'll be happy to come. Um, just DM us and we'll we'll throw up our sign, throw up our booth, and put on a show, man. We could be entertaining sometimes. Sometimes I think, Brandon. I think every now, like last week, we kind of were entertaining. But you know, we'll see where I had an energy. I, I will say I had an energy drink right before the show started last time, so I was kind of jazzed off of that. So. But um, as always, rules, rules, rules. Uh, Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You actually hear the live discussion, the back and forth here on the show. Um, last time, uh, we kind of felt we were going to have some disagreements. This time, I don't think we are. I think we're kind of both aligned here. So you were mentioning um, last week, but let's let's we agreed I would go first this time because yeah, I, okay. I got to. We got. I got a quick, quick little topic here. This one's a three to five minute listen, and then we'll get into something that's going to take up the meat of the show. So the three to five minute quick topic. It's going to be about a little known co uh, company called Toyota, right? So Toyota, they're they've had a lot of criticism lately from environmental groups, specifically the Sierra Club and so forth, for not doing enough to uh, to create to move forward with EV and 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 change how how they're. They're building their cars and what type of cars they build, right? 
They, in fact, uh, has said that they plan to invest roughly $70 billion in electrified vehicles, including $35 billion in all electric batteries over the next nine years. That's a lot of money over the next nine years. Um, they're planning to sell about 3.5 million all electric videos, uh, vehicles annually by 2030. That's uh, that's going to be around one third of its current total sales. But here's the problem. Here's the caveat to all that good news for EV, right? Toyota is saying, uh, in response to New York and California, saying that all let, all cars sold in those states have to be um, non-gas combustion engines. By 2035, Toyota is saying that they do not know if they'll be able to make that market uh, target. They don't know if they're going to be able to make vehicles or hit that uh, target or have enough vehicle supply in those states of just non-combustion engine vehicles available to meet the demand, if you will, in those states. Um, that's a big announcement from a big automaker. This is a big automaker, right? Yeah. So I, I wonder if like, other companies have the same issue, but are not publicly saying it, such as Ford, GM, uh, Honda, uh, any one of the other big ones, Volkswagen, uh, or have these same issues or not. Uh, no one's publicly said that that I'm aware of now, besides uh, Toyota saying that, you know, that's not, we don't know if we're going to be able to do that. Plus, they also said that's not in our strategy. We want the customer to be able to choose. So they're going to have all electric. They're going to have electric uh, slash gas hybrids. They're going to have electric slash hydrogen hybrids. They're going to have different different ones, cars for people to choose from. <clears throat> saying that, Brandon, I mean, do you think that this is just going to be the first of a, a number of announcements saying, I don't know if we could hit that market, that target? Sorry, I keep saying market. I don't know why. Um or do you feel that Toyota is the only one that is uh, including this because their strategy wasn't built towards that? Uh, yeah, I think it'll, they're they're not going to be the first ones, uh, and it won't just be the auto industry; it'll be the uh, um, the infrastructure industry. How you, what do you mean by that? Completely change your entire infrastructure in thirteen years. Now, this who knows what's going to happen in thirteen years politically with with the um, with the mandate and everything. Thirteen years in politics is an eternity, and anything can change on it. But uh, I mean that that's a lot to do, and it's very. I guess I'll be kind and say ambitious. Yeah, it is ambitious. I believe that was the point of. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't want to get political, but I believe that was the point of government. Uh, Governor Newsom was to be ambitious and try to push for hard targets here. Um, I, I, I'm with you. Is I believe this will be the first of of, of many uh, auto companies coming out saying, "I don't know if we can hit that mark and have the supply you want." I believe that the companies that are positioned well to make money off this again are Tesla, Rivian, the all electric vehicle. Only companies right now are the ones who are positioned to make the most amount of money off of these moves by uh, the state of California and New York. Much easier for a governor to issue an, an ambitious mandate than it is for you know an entrepreneur to follow it. Especially when, like I said, you have to change the entire infrastructure of the state. Now they're they are saying they're they're investing seventy billion over the next nine years. Is that enough money in order to do it? And here's my question in regards to that. How much does it cost to build a brand new factory? How much does it cost to invest in new supply chains? Is it, is it like, is it 
twenty billion dollars to build one new factory because then okay, that's half your that's almost a third of your money gone right there, just with one vac one factory. Yeah. Well, you know, so I'm looking at the cost from a, a, a logistic manufacturing warehousing uh perspective. I mean, you could you could burn through seventy billion very quickly in nine years yeah. trying to turn your infrastructure and your supply chain around. Yep. Yeah, I don't you know, and, and costs in relations to to the regular market are hard to figure out, but costs in relations to what the government's gonna plan. And, and try to pay for or even harder because the negotiations are completely different. Right. I also think there's another company that's positioned very well to make money off this, and that's Alphabet because of Whammo. Whammo is 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 doing very well in San Francisco as an you know AI electric vehicle taxi service that only certain people have access to, but you can you can utilize that in San Francisco. Um, I believe that that's going to expand. I know Whammo has a uh, deal with JB Hunt. Uh, JB Hunt, if you guys don't know, uh, they're a uh, a tractor trailer logistic company that ships goods and services all over this country. They are nationwide. They are international. Um, they ship lots of goods and services all around. And uh, I know Google has been working with them. Well, Whammo, sorry, Whammo has been working with them um, to have some AI roots um made up there is still currently an individual who sits in the cab still um i don't know what point do we get away from that do we literally make it all ai but uh you know that that is still down the road so i mean you know i think google's positioned well because of whammo and i i believe that they're going to be the the a driver in that force they're the dd and baidu if you will of the united states versus china yeah. So I don't know. That that's that's who I see is the big winners off of that. Um what about Blink? What about what? Blink. Oh Blink's gonna yeah, Blink's gonna be making money. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Nio, I mean, we could go to all those charging uh EV accessorial companies and you know they, they will make money, but I mean if if the here's my thing is if the big auto companies are coming out saying we we can't meet that and all of them do that, then that's going to pull down those stocks. That's going to pull down Blink just off of that news. Say, hey, we can't meet this mark, guys. You know, that's just not possible. Um, so that's going to be a negative detractor for that sector. Yeah. Uh, but that's something to watch. That's something to look at. That's something to keep an eye on. Like I said, that's just good. That's a three to five minute conversation. But it's about Toyota. It's something to think about when you're when you're researching these stocks. Do are you looking at the future of them? Is this an investment, or do I believe that based off the macroeconomic news of today, I'm going to day trade this because as an investment, I'm keeping in mind Toyota is probably not going to make that mark in California. There's probably going to be some bad news according to that. They're spending seventy billion dollars. You know, keep that in mind if, if, if I'm looking for a long term investment in Toyota. But then if I'm just day trading off the news of the day, that stuff that really doesn't matter. You know, if I'm just day trading. So Tesla would be, be a winner. They make their own charging stations. So. Exactly. Uh te yeah, Tesla's a, a, a I think is still a solid long term investment. But again, I'm waiting for the market to go down more. Talking about that, well, that's a perfect transition into our next topic, which is going to start off with Ford, but it's it's going to transform into many other things. So if you're listening, bear with us, because this is going to take many different forms. 
Um, last week, Brandon and I had a very uh, heated discussion about Ford and whether or not it, it was a good investment, bad investment, uh, whether or not it had it was, looks positive. Uh, I was saying it was it it needed to be sold, but I believed it was oversold, and that was my stance. Um, however, I did save myself by saying I, I'm not going to buy it yet because I believe the overall market's still going to continue down. But I have added it to my watch list as one to hurry up and buy when I feel like we've reached a uh, a bottom level there, right? And so, where where is that bottom level? And you know, there's so many places we could go in this. And I know Brandon, you're, I, I can look at you right now on the screen and feel like I feel like you're itching to jump in here. So I'm going to let you go ahead and jump in here right now. I mean, it was more of a look of like, who knows where it's going to go at this point. I still think that we have downward pressure here. Obviously <clears throat> we just uh, closed at new lows again today for the year on the S and P 500. I think we're going to keep going lower. I think until we start to get some sort of idea as to when the federal reserve will be able to stop hiking rates, market goes lower. Well, I mean, the Federal Reserve came out and uh, like, was it two months ago and said, hey, we want to get to 4.25%. Yep. We're not there yet. Nope. So we know they're, they're going to bring more. Yep. I so mean, at least another 100 basis points. Right. At least another 1%. At least another 1%. Probably another 1.25%, I think, looking at the uh, real interest rates and stuff like that. Probably another 1.25%. That's a lot for the market to deal with. Sounds small, but it's not. You know? It's a uh, it's a large percentage increase, so still got a lot to go here. Um, and I think you know what, if you've made good investments in good companies, you just gotta kind of you know strap in, hold on. It's gonna test your moral fiber if it's not already doing it already. It's gonna test your moral fiber. It's gonna test your your patience and everything. But you just still hold on. And well, uh, if, if you if you like made, us and, and you bought you, you go, bought, go oh, ahead. I want to interrupt you here because. Yeah. I, I know you're going to transfer it into something chance move. Uh, you're going to move into something else next, but you did make a good point that if we, if I invested into it, if I invested into a strong company uh, a month ago and right now I'm down in it, it's okay to be down on it because you invested. That was for a long right. term. In right. fact, I would wait for the market to drop down some more and then maybe lower your do dollar cost average DCA. And uh, really get that down because it's an opportunity to buy more at a cheaper price. Because right. if you thought it was cheap a month ago, it's it's going to be cheaper in a month from now. Right, right. And that's why I'm not stressed about this market downturn either. There is one thing that might stress us all out. But, I mean, I don't know that it will stress me out or you out. Um, Let me pull the number. I'm here. listening. Go ahead. What do, you, pension, what do you have? Pension plans here in the United States are in a little bit of trouble. Uh, it's a lot worse off apparently in the UK right now, but just here in the United States. Oh, State, dude. Yeah, that news, the, all the headlines I've been reading out of the UK. Woo! Yeah. So glad. Proud to be American. America. I mean, pension pension funds are just, they're in a death uh, spiral right now, selling and selling and selling and selling as bond prices are decreasing um, and interest rates are going up. So right now, it looks like there's some sort of popular investment strategy, uh, liability-driven investment strategy. It's actually derivative-based liability investment it, it, strategy. And derivatives, you know, that's a that's a hot word for those of us who grew up during the housing crash. That's a 
I, I'm just, I was going to say, it's always a derivative that brings us down. Never underestimate the ability of the smartest people in the world to screw us all over. <laughs> Amen. Find some, some very intelligent way of investing to ruin the world. But hey, try to explain what it is. I know you don't fully understand it. I and don't. I know I don't really fully understand it either. But do your best right now and try to explain what it is your what it is this vehicle that they're investing in and then how it affects pension funds to your best I, of knowledge. Well, I don't really like the, here's the thing. I found this five minutes before me and you started the show. And I'm I was looking for things. This was a Wall Street Journal article, and I this popped up and I thought to myself, oh gosh, this this is this is not good. Um, so in the article, what it says is the the uh, the LDI strategy is what it calls liability-driven investment strategy is meant to help pensions more efficiently manage their assets to ensure they can pay future re retirees. Pensions use an LDI manager who buys interest rate swaps and other financial instruments to hedge against Risks that falling interest rates and rising inflation will increase their future obligations. The problem here is we don't have falling interest rates anymore. We've got rising interest rates and very high inflation. And now if inflation's peaked with rising interest rates going up at the same time as inflation might be peaking, we might be facing some deflationary pressure on the other end. And that, that's even worse from what i'm seeing here but my i i just don't know what these interest rate swaps are well enough and i don't know you know i found that japanese pension fund that was selling off u.s treasury treasuries last year it was really to the extent of my knowledge as to what whether i or as to when as to how much i've ever researched pension funds so but, a swap a swap. So I know this. So, and I know this guys because I watched the Big Short. Um, but uh, <laughs> there, during the uh, Great Recession, uh, Michael Blurry uh, created a mortgage-backed security swap. Okay. Where he was betting against the mortgage, uh, mortgage industry, okay. and and uh, betting that they were going to fail. So, if this is a swap, it's betting against, um, something, right? So it's a betting against. And it looks like from what you're saying is it the, these do well during times that the interest rates going down yeah, and yeah. inflation's going up. And that's when these do well. And there are all kinds of forms of derivatives that are really good for us too and really good in the market that aren't going to be poison pills to us. So derivatives shouldn't be as bad of a word as it actually is. Yo, it's, it's a four-letter word nowadays. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And it has been since 2007, 2008. But uh so, so given that this LDI strategy you came across right now in this current situation should be doing very poorly yeah, for and uh, as, people. And as bond prices go down and they're going to continue to go down because the Federal Reserve is offloading their balance sheet to the tune of trillions of dollars. But people are and, buying and, them. Yeah, well... Mm. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. We'll get to enough. we'll get to people buying bonds in a second. Can they buy them Continue faster? with your point. Continue. I know. I know people are, but can you buy them fast enough in order to mitigate the problems that these new LDI strategies are 
apparently creating. And they're not new to the UK. They've been utilized in the UK a lot, but they're more new to the United States, thankfully. So... So, so the biggest problem with this is not that they they had some bad investments and the the investments are going to take a negative turn for right now. And you're thinking, well, it's a long term investment, Dave and Brandon. It will go back up. Things will go back normal, and they'll make money again. Well, the problem is that they bought a lot of this on margin. Yeah. So it's not money that they had ready. So if it starts going negative, usually what's written in the contract when you buy a derivative contract on margin. The rules are if it drops below a certain point, that bank gets to say, hey, you need to pay this margin because you are now negative. And we need that. It's called a margin call. We need that money now. And, and if the pension fund is losing money here and losing money in other places because the whole market as a whole is going down. Now that pension fund's like, I don't have it. Now that pension fund could be go put into default and it, it, it snowballs from there. Is that that's kind of is, am I right in that description? That's what it seems like, and it seems like also at the same time. Okay, so I know what margin calls are, and you were correct on that. Um, the limited amount of limited amount of reading, and I'm surprised this isn't bigger news. But oftentimes, any financial contagions just come out like this small news at first, and they come out and surprise everybody. And if this is a financial contagion that causes the next financial recession, I, I don't know if that's the case or not. But the limited amount of reading that I've done, they're essentially they were essentially shorting interest rates with these things. So they're betting against interest rates. And of course we all know now interest rates are like going up and going right. quickly. Yep. And it's coming back to bite them in the butt. All right. So of margin calls on pensions in the U S that's, that's worrisome. And it's even more worrisome when the wall street journal says it's modest compared to the UK. Yeah, and that tells you how bad the UK is. If you want this story, guys, you can Google LDI Strategy Wall Street Journal, and yeah. I'm sure you could find it uh, that way if if you're listening today or tomorrow or even the next day on the show. Um, just Google those terms, and I'm sure it will pull it up. Read the article. Uh, let us know what you think. It, it you know, be, DM us. Let us know what you think. It might be behind a paywall, but I'll, I'll post the link in the um in the episode show notes too. There you go. I I know I read those episode show notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I write them. <laughs> I I should read them. I should you know I am in the show right. Um, all right. So let's go back to where we talked about. Is anyone buying these bonds? All right. So I I have a couple points to this. That one I just thought about as we brought that discussion, but the other one. I mentioned to you before the show, so I'll go to there first. I was watching a an interview with Mr. Wonderful. We all know him, a favorite TV personality of stock investors and retail investors worldwide, and uh, CNBC. And he was talking. He was talking about where he wants his investments going in the near term future. And he was he was saying that he was looking at bonds, and he was specifically calling out corporate triple B bonds that uh, bonds as B's and Bravo bonds. Um, which was very interesting to me, but he was looking for that higher interest rate, but somewhat safe. And I believe that's the kind of balance he was looking for. How can I get as highest interest rate as possible? But yes, still be somewhat safe. But he said, even at a, a two year note at four and a half percent is a great return. As we were saying, compared to what you might get in the equity market right now, he was very negative. And that was weird for Mr. Wonderful, but, uh, he was, uh, um, 
very very uh, harsh on the market and very much uh, looking like a bear, but he was really talking high about bonds. So my question is, Brandon, to you is, if Mr. Wonderful's buying bonds, is Carl Icahn buying bonds, is Bill Ackman buying bonds, or all these other you know, billionaire uh, stock investors buying bonds, is that where they're all moving? And are they part of the group of people that are buying these bonds that the U.S. is unloading? I mean, it might be. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but I don't. I don't think any one person can keep up with the pace of the selling of the Federal Reserve right now. Right, but then there's you got to think of all, all these other sovereign wealth funds. Do you believe Saudi Arabia, who's been making money hand over fist right now, and Saudi Aramco has been turned a huge hefty profit for them? Now they're sitting on cash. Do you think maybe they want to shore up some of that money and buy a couple trillion dollars worth of U.S. bonds? Because to the Saudi sovereign wealth fund, they have that kind of money. I mean, they might, but this is a global effort to complete to combat inflation being waged by central banks all across the world right now. So it's not just the U.S. that's offloading a balance sheet. You know, their balance sheets. The U.K. is doing it. All of the European Union just about is doing it. So I don't I just don't I mean, I still see rates rising and bond prices going down in the near term. But you know what? You you could probably buy some bonds to um to you know get some guaranteed returns. It's just it's for me right now, it's tough because as the market comes down, I see it a little bit differently. As the market goes down, risk goes down as well. And the probability of future returns goes up. So that's why I bought Disney today. The uh, chart for Disney looks pretty bad, but the fundamentals are there, I think. So do I start, you know, going risk on here little by little as the market comes down and buy equities again? Or do I become you know, Brandon from an alternate evil universe when compared to episode number one and buy bonds? That's a good question because, you know what, here's what I have to say to this. On the previous few shows, we've had disagreements about where the the market's going to turn and how long it will be before we bottom out and plateau for a little bit. Um, I've always pushed for maybe end of October. I've said I kind of question in that now. It might push past October. Um, we're not even in October yet, though, and it's dropping pretty hard. We're going to be retesting those June lows. Um, I would say if we go below those June lows, this will drag on past October, uh, maybe. I, I still don't know. I still am in the air on this. So, if But you were saying it's going to continue negative into next year. So why would, uh, so would you start buying equities uh, now and you know how would you buy it? Would you go buy that plan that I you know I've pushed out there to our retail investors before, saying if I have a thousand dollars allocated to buy Ford, like I said, I'm going to buy a thousand dollars worth of Ford. Do I start buying a hundred dollars worth a week now, or do you wait a little bit longer for more bottom? Yeah, I don't. It, or you buy spy. I just the S and P five hundred almost always doubles off of a recession. And the next, and the and the next, in the succeeding five years. So that's why I keep saying that you know, as stocks go lower, risks actually go lower. Even even though the risks are now making the headlines because that's what's driving the prices lower, the risks are being priced in at the moment. So 
that's that's kind of like me. I was looking at it today. I'm like, do I buy Disney now? I think it's a value. Why not? My time frame's five to ten years. You know. Yeah, if you got five to ten year time frame, then yes, yeah. I agree with you. Why Just not? go ahead and start start uh, start purchasing now. Um, if that's your time frame, One, my time frame, I don't work off that time frame, Brandon. You know that, so I have a different time frame than you, and so yeah. therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna wait, man. Okay, I'm so, still waiting. I, I'm building my watches of the companies I believe are going to bounce back the hardest and the fastest. I'm building a watches of those, but I'm not buying anything yet. I'm still you, waiting for more down movement. So which comp do you have like any specifics for those like that you have off the top of your head right now? Ford, like, Nvidia, um, Ford, Apple, Nvidia, and Apple, Tesla is on my watch list too. Tesla, yeah, Riot. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, I believe uh, I believe of all those, the one that you'll make your you'll you'll make your money the fastest off of, and I hate saying this because this is just going to get retail investors losing their money once I say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. Um, the one I believe you'll make your money the fastest off of is Riot, but you have to be very careful. That moves so quickly up and down, so quickly. You got to really know what you're doing before you start trading that because it can it can take an eighty percent dive on you so quick, and you'll be like, "What happened, Dave?" And I'm just saying, be careful with that one. Um, but uh, it's on my watch list. So I'll, every I'll say that. every once in a while, I like to look at my portfolio and buy a stock that I can say I. There, there's a phrase in the retail world when you're doing remodels and stuff, you do it the right <laughs> way the first time, you can set it and then forget it, right? I like to buy stocks like that oftentimes that I can put my portfolio and then I don't forget about them because I love to follow you know, the stocks. It's individual investing, but I, li I like to not have to worry about it. And I think Disney's one of those companies. Now, with that being said, will they face any further pressure Especially if there's a financial recession, we're coming off the backs of COVID, which cost Disney a lot of money, and now they're going to have a financial recession. If if that does happen, then we've got you know more headwinds for them, and they're but but I think with the content, they need to they need to split up the companies of Disney. No, 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 no. Yeah. People disagree with you now. So that Bill was it. Bill Ackman that said that they should uh, split off Disney. He's now retracted. I think it was Bill Ackman. It was one of the activist investors. Investors, but he retracted it after seeing the uh, CEO's plans for ESPN. He actually believes that ESPN is better off in, in Disney than it is by itself. No, I wasn't not here. I wasn't saying sell them off. What I was saying was split them up, have yeah. a parent company, but then have uh, different companies that you hold stock in. Split up the companies and stocks. Uh, file different incorporations amongst them. So, one being the parks, one being the like Disney Plus, and another one being like the cable TV shows. I mean, I, I don't know. That's I'm just spitballing here, but I, I definitely want to split. I want to split parks from the media. I don't know. They they intertwine though. So Disney uses what you're watching on Disney Plus and what movies you're gonna go see. And they use that data to say, well, this is what we should put in the parks, right? Like, this is what people go see in the movies, and this is obviously the most popular character, the most popular series that we have, so then obviously we should focus more on that in the parks to drive revenue. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah. All right. Yeah, also you're, you're on ABC on and, and, you know, they, they own and, you know, 67% of Hulu. Um, They're going to eventually own all of Hulu, but... yeah. 
by which is crazy to think about 2024 yeah that's that's crazy to see how much of our uh media will be controlled and owned by disney i also don't think that that's priced in that that's what blew my mind during the, during the pandemic. People for some reason just don't price on Hulu, and I don't get it. Um, during the pandemic, of course, Disney was getting slaughtered because of the parks closing, and that was the majority of their revenue. But while the rest of the streaming plays were going crazy, Disney was just getting walloped in the stock market because people for some reason weren't tying Hulu to them. But, but that's what Disney wanted. They didn't want people to die, tie Hulu to them right away. Yeah, you know. That's that's always been Disney's approach to things. Slowly get in there, and all of a sudden one day be like, "Hey, we kind of own this." Just surprise. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's yeah. that's always been their approach over the years. Yeah, and you might look at the Disney, uh, you know, multiples of price to earnings and stuff like that's in the fifties right now. But don't forget that the price to earnings is a trailing twelve months, and that for much much of the past twelve months, a lot of their parks were still closed. So, you know, and price to sales and price to book is the same way. But um, look, man, I say Home Depot. You think buy Home Depot right now? I I think, well, like you're talking five to 10 years investment. Here's my thought behind that is I see uh, the slowdown in the housing uh, continuing. Yeah. With the higher interest rates, I see the recession going on. I see as, as jobs tighten even more to where people are can no longer just leave their job whenever they so choose. And they have to keep the jobs that they don't really like. Uh, that's why the you know the um, uh, Gen Z came out with this new term, quiet quitting, which right. actually has been a it's been a thing forever. We just never labeled it, so our our employers couldn't get mad at us. But uh, um, they had to they had to label it, and they call it a thing. And they're saying it's on the rise. Well, yeah, it's on the rise because you can't just quit your job and just go find another one of equal or greater value right, right. now because of the jobs have been tightening. Right. So you're stuck in a job that you don't really like. Right. And uh, you know, that's, that's not a new thing. This happens in cycles. You go through cycles where this happens. Then all of a sudden we come out the other end of this and then employees have the, uh, the power in that dynamic again, and you could go find jobs anywhere. And, and then it will come back to this again eventually. This is not the first time for this cycle, and it won't be the last time for this type of cycle. But, you know, unfortunately, this is where we find ourselves in right now. Given that, saying that that uh, 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 weakened state there and uh, inability to just go ahead and move up and buy more and more houses, um, the only people buying houses are the investments, Redfin, uh, Zillow, uh, so on and so forth. All those companies are still buying houses. Uh, BlackRock, I believe, said they're coming out and buying. I believe it's BlackRock. I may be. I may be wrong on this. Uh, they're still investing in housing for rental for rents. Um, th- those people, those companies are still buying houses, but people aren't buying houses. People are going to own less and less houses. Uh, and so I believe that once they get in the house, they got to keep it up. So Home Depot. Because uh, that's usually what happens during recessions. Home Depot does well because people can't move out, but so they just fix up where they're at. Yeah, that, and people don't think about that too. So it's kind of counterintuitive because a lot of people are selling Home Depot because of the housing market possibly peaking and less home builders buying materials to build homes. But then, you know, you got to remodel your house every once in a while and you got to fix all the cracks and all the all the stuff that happens when you, you know, you own a home for a long time. So right, Brandon, like AC. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of my, uh, 
that was kind of my uh, my logic on AutoZone as well when I talked about that last week, that maybe AutoZone might still be a good play because, you know, people stop buying cars during recessions and they hold on to their, you know, their old ones and they want to cost cut. So they buy parts for themselves and then go pay a mechanic just the labor cost of it. Yep. Yeah, that's I mean, I. So let's move one last thing. And I hate to be Mr. Doom and Gloom and this be a very sad podcast and everybody goes home like Dave and Brandon were just very depressive. Um, but, you know, I want to I want to uh, before we wrap up, this will just want to take two or three minutes here, guys. Uh, I'm going to talk about meta. And this this goes into what we were saying. Uh, meta was saying uh, and this I'm going to I'm just going to read from Zuckerberg here. This is a quote from him. I had hoped the economy would have more clearly stabilized by now, but from what we're seeing, it doesn't yet seem like it has. So we want to plan somewhat conservatively. That is what Zuckerberg told employees during, during one of his weekly uh, uh, Q&A sessions. They, they even said that they're going to cut they're going to cut plans to hire engineers by at least 30 percent. This is from a company that has traditionally and yearly always push the government to say give us more visas because we need to bring in more engineers we don't have enough u.s engineers yeah. and now they're saying that they're going to cut hiring of engineers by 30 percent that's a big number to cut of hiring of engineers from from a big tech co- uh, company like this and so that that really should really shine a light on um you know how bad it's really going to get you know and if you're an engineer uh, you probably still got some way where you can move, change companies. I'm sure people are still hiring and there's still a need for that because that's a very in-demand job. But I, I, I think that you're losing the ability to leave um, XYZ company and go to Google and get three times your pay. I think that's kind of going out the window. Now it's just going to be you know more competitive everywhere. Yeah, and Meta's also restructuring. Yeah, they are in the middle of a big restructuring plan to try to become uh, profitable at, at the other end of this recession, which, you know, they they believe we're in. So, so um, my question: you, it's it, it, on, before you ask your question, it's interesting that Zuckerberg said that he thought we would have bottomed out by now. He was that bullish on the market and the U.S. economy that he thought we would have bottomed out by now. And I, I don't know rise. why. I don't know why. I don't know why anybody would have thought that. I don't either, There's especially, all, yeah. All historical indicators that we're seeing are is literally every historical indicator in the book, including, um, you know, treasury yields and the yield curve and and uh, interest rates going up, Federal Reserve's raise, hiking rates. It's literally every, every indicator in the book showing recession, recession, recession. Right. <laughs> Two declining quarters of GDP. I why you thought we were going to bottom in June or why you thought we were going to bottom, um, you know, prior to this, I don't know. I don't know how that's the case. Well, I do know. Are we going to get three quarters of consecutive negative GDP? Probably. Probably. But I do know that I'm still, I am buying more as the market goes down because that's what you should do. I, I agree. That's what you should do, but I'm still holding off, man. Cause I, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm getting too risky here and I'm trying to time it. I don't know and if that's think, and that's a mistake. That's a mistake on my part if I am. You're I mean, you you might have opportunity cost there, but you're not gonna miss out on, you know, lose losing money in the in the short term. My question for you is I bought the inverse of the S P five hundred, the inverse ETF. 
which is SH. I'm now up over 5% in the past week. Should I sell it? Or <laughs> we're going lower because, you know, we like that 5% a week thing. But if we're going lower on the S&P 500, maybe I hold it. So here, here, here's what I would say. If you're truly asking David for his opinion on that, yes. I would say this. I would I would applaud you for selling it, and I would applaud you for holding it. I say it's a win-win either way okay. you go. I think you're going to win. Okay. There's nothing wrong with taking 5% you know and, and being happy. It's it's not enough money in there to put my face on a, on a billboard and a movie and, you know, write the big short two around, but – Right. Well, talk about billboards. So I saw this billboard uh, out the other day. I was driving with my daughter. We're going to see uh, Hamilton. So we went downtown, um, watched the play. Hamilton was a great play, by the way, if you're musical. Sorry uh, if you ever get a chance. But we're going down there and I saw this big, huge billboard. It said uh, they trade for fun. (laughs) And I, I just looked at Layla and I said, that's just gambling. That guy is just there promoting Throw money at this because you might make it big. And that's just gambling. I just that is that. not investing. That is not actual what day trading is meant to be. <laughs> I was wondering if it was a Miami Valley casino billboard. Hey, it might as well have been. It yeah. might as well have yeah. been a casino billboard. Yeah. Uh, uh, because the way that, that the advertisement looked, that's what it looked like. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know for a fact what, the, what that person offers. I don't want to badmouth them too much. But from what the billboard uh, perception it gave it gave that it was just straight gambling and i'm just like yeah no no um, there's cringe, obvious cringe. trades that you, there, you've done some obvious day trades before yeah, oh yeah it's, oh, so yeah. it's not always gambling but no day trades are not gambling if you know what you're doing and you have experience yeah. so back during the original housing crisis every single time that the uh as, as the market was going down every single time that the the uh uh oh, well, now, now my mind's drawing a blank. Every single time they would go ahead and cut interest rates, the mortgage, the mortgage insurers would jump up ten percent that hour. And so, every time the Federal Reserve announced meeting notes at that time, you could pretty much guarantee that they were going to announce that they were going to cut interest rates. So I would buy right before the right before the meeting announcements, and uh, they would say, "Come out, and say, all right, guys, we're going to have to cut interest rates again." Boom. You know, the insurers would jump up 10% and I would sell and I'll make it in an hour. But I mean, I I understood all the factors that were going into that. And I, I did not hold on because they eventually dropped down to nothing. And I don't, I don't, I don't even know if they exist in the same way that they existed back then. I haven't traded them since I only traded them on the way down and made money doing it. But you know, it's, it's, that's an example I give. Another example of day trades is, uh, Earnings, you buy before the earnings and you sell the news of the earnings. That's another day trade you can do. Those are very common day trades. Uh, but day trades should be something that you you understand, you expect, you've done your research, and you 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 know what's gonna happen uh, based off historical data. And never buy a company going into earnings that's rallied into earnings. <laughs> that's that's a bad omen. That's that's you that's that's typically a bad omen. Is it a hundred percent correct? No, nothing is. But, but is it typically stereotypically? Yes, that is true, Brandon. That is a true. Yeah, because it's a bunch of people buying to sell the news, right? It's it's a lot of people doing what what we're talking about here, buying prior to earnings, and they plan to sell. Well, what happens when everybody's buying a company to sell during earnings? Of course, it's going to go down on earnings. 
because that's what you know. It's just the psychology of it. So, and then before, yeah. people are selling, going into uh, good companies' earnings, and the stock is down, it, and that's often a good omen. It's that not not always. No, I disagree with you on that. Often. Sometimes it could be it could be going down. I say that one's 50-50. I say a good omen is when it's flat. It's when it's basically flat within 1% movement one way or another going into earnings is a good sign. Okay. Because then people are unsure. And if you have information that makes you feel confident, that's a good sign. Going negative, I feel like that's a 50-50 coin flip, man. I, uh, I've i seen that go more negative, and I've seen that Yes, turn around and go positive. Let me ask you this, though. So if you got a company that's going down, going into earnings, and almost every every article that you read about their earnings is negative, then it kind of makes you think, wait a minute, anything that this company does that's even neutral can surprise to the upside and send the stock back up. It can, but then here's something to throw you in a loop. Except for this last year, what about Cisco? Yeah, Cisco. They, they report great earnings. Yeah. Uh, the, they've t- they've typically reported good earnings, and yet they've just gone down or flat. I, yeah. Look at Micron again. It's right back to where it was prior to the show. <laughs> Micron. Oh man, that Micron is a whole nother. We could spend a, we could spend a whole show on Micron, yeah. um, but we won't because uh, you know what, Brandon. It's time for final thoughts. Final thought, Brandon. Go ahead. You know what? I just keep an eye on, on this pension issue. That's that's my final thought. Keep an eye on the pension issue because it could be the first contagion contagion in the financial crisis. Who knows? My final thought would be start building your watch list. Build a, a watch list of companies that you want to follow that you're looking to buy. You're looking for opportunities to get in. Yes, the market is going to go down. Look for us. Maybe maybe start building positions some of these now you know if you have a thousand dollars allocated to buy ford start putting a hundred dollars uh every week or every two weeks into it and start building that position um i don't know that's 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 for you to call i'm personally not buying right now i'm waiting for more downturn but i'm building my watch list ford's on my watch list you know nvidia's on my watch list all these are on my watch list tesla's on my watch list i'm i i'm not ready quite yet to pull the trigger but i'm watching and i'm waiting and I'm reading articles and I'm doing research, even though I'm not buying right now. So don't, don't stop doing that. All right, guys, we thank you for listening. Um, as always, we hope we've been entertaining and educational and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. You guys have a good night. Have a good night. Pre pandemic revenue levels for Disney. And I think we'll get there. So,